Amen. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that so very much. If you grab your Bibles, join me in Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews chapter number one. If you'll join me there. If you need a copy of the scriptures, there's one there in the back of the pew. We'd love for you to grab that. Follow along. Enjoy the music today. Enjoy especially the congregational meeting. You folks did a great job singing today and a great spirit here this morning. I appreciate that so very much and I trust the Holy Spirit is here working too at the same time. And so excited about uh, this morning's message and what the Lord has for you and I. The title of it is simply this, What Are You Listening? for? What are you listening for? And uh, as we delve here into Hebrews chapter number one, we've had a blessing on Wednesday, Wednesday nights to, to start a study, a verse-by-verse study in this book of Hebrews. And uh, it's just remarkable. It's a powerful book. It's full of doctrine, full of practical truth, and uh, it's rich, spiritually rich doctrinally. And, and don't worry, those of you who are here on Wednesday night, I'm not going to re-preach a message or anything like that. It's just getting our springboard uh, here in Hebrews chapter number one. But we found out as we looked at Hebrews chapter number one in the first couple of verses, there's some assumptions the author, who I believe is Paul, of Hebrews makes. And uh, you'll see it in verses one and two. Let's look there, if you will. Hebrews chapter one, verse one and two. God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake, that's a key word, spake in time past unto the fathers by or through the prophets. Verse 2, hath in these last days spoken, there's another one of those key words, unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the world. Now, we learned on Wednesday night, there's a couple assumptions. One of those is simply this. You'll see it there in verses 1 and 2. God has spoken. And uh, I'd like to elaborate on that this morning, develop it into a threefold assumption, if we may. And what is that, Pastor Andrew? You say it's simply this. God spoke, God hath spoken, and God is speaking even today. And really, Hebrews makes that assumption. And as the, the author gets into all these chapters in Hebrews, he, he makes that clear. God has spoken, and, and God spoke in times past. He has spoken through Christ, and he is speaking today through his word and the Holy Spirit. And that is really crucial. It's a, it's a truth, it's a fact, a principle that's found through, not just throughout Hebrews, but throughout the entire scriptures. Now, let's apply that. Let's make that personal today. Okay, I trust you're here today, and you can say, you know what? God has spoken the past to me. God hath spoken through his word, Jesus Christ, certainly in his life, and God is speaking to me today through his word and the Holy Spirit. That's making that assumption personal. It's saying, okay, I, I come to this reala- realization, okay? And uh, what's neat about that, don't miss it, from the beginning of the world, from the beginning of mankind's creation, until the end of it, God will be speaking, He'll always be speaking. For those who will listen, for those who will hear, and those who will give heed, God is speaking. He's spoken, he has spoken, and such, and he is speaking today. And he will continue to speak for those who choose to hear it. To that, you know what I say, man, what a great God we serve. That the God of all creation, the God of heaven, will continue to speak. He's spoken in the past, and he spoke through Jesus Christ, and now he's going to continue speaking so that those who will have ears, let them hear. Let them hear. Let them listen to what God has to say. So it begs the question of us, and now here again is where we make it personal. If he's spoken and he is speaking, we have it through the word of God, the Holy Spirit indwelling us. The question is this, what are we doing with it? What am I personally doing with the word of God? How have I handled it? What have I, has been my response to it? Secondly is this, am I listening every day? If God is speaking time and time again, what am I doing every day? Am I listening every day to God speaking to me? Now, we would all have to agree this, would we? We all have a lot of voices speaking in our lives. 
okay? Uh, we have the pleasure of having five children in our house. And five children who are like their father who like to talk and like to make noise. And so, guess what? We have a lot of voices in our house. Now, your life, you have a lot of voices. Uh, maybe family members, maybe coworkers, maybe social media, maybe uh, the news, maybe other things that you live. Many, many voices. And, and for some of us, obviously, some of those voices are good, well, worth heeding. Other voices may be trivial, distracting, or downright evil. And yet all these voices are talking, talking in each one of our lives. And yet in the overabundance of these uh, voices, we may say the cacophony of these voices, you know what? There is God's voice. Now, I don't care, and I don't really know certainly how many voices you have speaking in your life, but I do know this, God is speaking. He's speaking to you in your life. His voice is in the midst of all of it. So here's the challenge for you and I. We must find the will and the way to quiet down enough to hear what God has to say to us on a daily basis. Oh, yes, when we gather here in the auditorium, and uh, that is a great point. When we hear the Word of God preached or taught in Sunday school, we ought to uh, quiet down, find the will and the way to hear Him. But uh, daily, as God speaks through His Word, as God may speak to us through other Christians, as God speaks certainly through the Holy Spirit indwelling each one of us, my friend, we need to listen. We need to find a way to do so. And we'd put it this way. We must be consistent in listening for the voice of God through his word and his spirit in the midst of all those other voices. There's a story told of a Native American who was with his friend, and his friend took him uh, to downtown New York, Manhattan, specifically Times Square. And it was during the noon lunch hour, so this was one of those busy times. Uh, there was so much going on. There was uh, cars honking all over the place, and if you've ever been to New York, you, you know what I mean by that. The taxi cabs were squealing around corners, and, and uh, people were talking, sirens were wailing, and, and the sounds of the city were just overwhelming. They were almost deafening uh, to these two men as they walked down the street. Suddenly, the Native American said simply this, I hear a cricket. His friend looks at him, and it's one of those looks like, you've got to be crazy. Are you serious? Uh, In fact, he says, what? You must be crazy. You, You couldn't possibly hear a cricket in all of this noise. No, I'm sure of it, the Native American said. I hear a cricket. Man just shook his head. That's crazy. Native American listened. He listened carefully for a moment, and he walked across the street to a big cement planter where some shrubs were growing. He looked in the bushes, and there beneath one of the branches, sure enough, he he located a small cricket. (laughs) His friend was utterly amazed. (laughs) That's incredible. That's impossible, he said. Uh, You must have superhuman ears. To hear that. No, said the Native American, my ears are no different than yours. It all depends on what you're listening for. But that can't be, said the friend. I could never hear a cricket in all this noise. Now, yes, it's true, he said, the Native American, it, it all depends on what is really important to you. Here, let me show you. He reached down into his pocket. He grabbed a a few coins that he had there. And as he did so, he he discreetly just dropped them on the sidewalk. And they observed that people within 20 feet of that 
all turned and looked to see if they had dropped something. Native American made it clear by simply saying, see what I mean? It all depends on what's important to you. Now let me ask you this morning, is God's voice through his word and spirit really important to you? Because you may have a lot of voices and you may have a lot of noise in your life. You may have a lot going on in your life and situation. But if it's really important to you, every day you'll hear the voice of God through his word and the Holy Spirit. Now, let's be specific. I'm not just asking you if you read God's word. I'm asking you, is it important to you? Because I'll tell you, I can read news and it's not important to me, but I read it. Do you treat God's word the same? I'm not just asking you if you've memorized it or you can tell me, oh, the Bible says this. Is it important to you? So much so that you're listening. You're listening for it. The voice of God through the, His Word and His Spirit. I'm thankful today that I, I can tell you from experience, but more importantly from the truths of the Scripture, that God has something to say to every area and every aspect of your life. There's not one part of your life that lie, that's an outlier, that lies outside the scope and the, the circumference of your life. No, 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 God's truth speaks to it all. So the question is begged, are we listening to him? See, the author of Hebrews understood that, and he, he, he will show us through the book of Hebrews Wednesday night that the nation of Israel very much demonstrated it, and here's what they demonstrated. We would call it the dangerous, slippery slope of not listening to God speak. And my friend, there are dire consequences for that. When you and I fail, whether as believers or unbelievers even, but especially as believers, when we fail to listen to God, when we stop listening, when we close our ears to it, when we, be, when we allow ourselves to go down this slippery slope. It really was a concern of the author. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1, if you will. Notice what he says here, okay? In Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1. Therefore, we ought to give, and these are great encouragement, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them, what's the word? Slip. A slippery slope. We ought to give heed to the things that we have heard, that God is speaking, that God has spoken above, about take heed, give earnest heed, that you don't slip in listening to God speaking. And I just encourage you this morning, my, my challenge to you would be is to take earnest heed that you don't slip. Or if you have already started down the slippery slope, to recover. Get back where you need to be. Daily listening to making it the most important thing in your life, the most important voice in your life that you are listening to. You see, how does it start? Well, the slippery slope starts with drifting. We drift away from the Word of God. And in other words, it becomes less important to us. It less a priority. It's the less or the least dominant voice that we listen to on a regular basis. Could we put it this way? Number one, then we see the danger of drifting, the danger of drifting from the Word of God. The author here tells us how that can happen. Look at verses 2 and 3 of chapter 2. We just read verse 1. Verse 2, For the word spoken by angels is steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard it? There's a word here that describes drifting, and it's the word neglect. Neglect. You see it here. 
See, we drift away through neglect. It's not noticeable at first. In fact, it's very minute. uh, We we, we maybe just don't listen for a day. We don't listen for a couple days. We just kind of drift away from the Word of God. It's not the most dominant thing. Okay, I had my devotions today, but I haven't really taken anything away from it. I've gotten more information and more advice from a person or from uh, Google or or something else. I've allowed that to be the more dominant voice in my life. You see, the impact of drifting from God's word may be very minimal initially. In fact, I would describe it like this. You're you're kind of spiritually off one degree. You're just off a little bit. eh, One degree isn't a big deal, right? I mean, it's not, yeah, just being off just a, a tad is not that big of a deal. I mean, if you were going somewhere in your course, the path was off by just one degree, I mean, if you were just a foot away, you know, you only miss it by point two of an inch. That's not bad. It's really small. It's kind of trivial, right? Well, if your journey was 100 yards, then you'd be off by about 5.2 feet. Well, it's a little bit more significant, but it's not, it's not huge. It's, it's noticeable, yes. Well, if your, your journey was a mile long, you'd be off by 92.2 feet, almost 100 feet. You see, one degree after time makes a huge difference. We could go on, and we will. You travel from San Francisco to L.A., you'd be off by six miles. Six miles. If you were trying to get from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., and you were off one degree at the start, at the beginning, you got off by one degree, you would end up on the other side of Baltimore. 42.6 miles away. Let's say you're traveling around the globe from San Francisco then to Washington, D.C. You're going around the globe. You you would miss it by 435 miles. In other words, you'd end up in Boston. Off just one degree at the start. Just one degree. Just one minute little degree. If you (laughs) were on a rocket going to the moon, you'd be off by 4,169 miles. That's actually... Uh, nearly twice the diameter of the moon, if you can imagine. You're going to the sun, and you started off by one degree. (laughs) You'd be 1.6 million miles missed. You might have to ask for directions. If you were going to the closest star, obviously, outside the the sun, if you were going to the nearest star, you'd, you'd be off by 441 billion miles. That's 4,745 times the distance between the earth and the sun. But how'd it start? Just one degree. One little degree of difference. Shall we say, can we put it this way? One degree of drifting. Just drifted a little bit. Just got off a little bit. Now, listen to me, my friend. Don't tell me that drifting spiritually from God's voice as the dominant voice in your life Drifting from his word and the Holy Spirit is not a big deal. Hey, if you and I just, you know, one day we just stop listening to God. He's not the dominant voice. And we just start getting off a little bit. And this voice starts to vie. And, and boy, we give it as much credence. And we give it as much uh, impact in our lives. Boy, then all of a sudden we, we start getting off. Can I tell you, in time, the consequences will be devastating spiritually. Oh, it may not be noticeable today. 
In fact, it may not be noticeable this week, this month, this year even, that you're off just a little bit because God's Word is not the priority. It's not important. Uh, Listening to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis has not been the priority it ought to have been. You say, how does it happen? Well, there's where that word comes in, neglect. We neglect it. We can neglect it in many different ways. We, we may own copies of the Scripture, but we neglect it by not reading it. That's the most obvious, right? But sometimes we can hear the Word of God preached and taught, and we neglect it. We don't heed it. We don't obey it. Uh, we can even read it, but we neglect not personally heeding what we read. We, we neglect it by allowing our Bibles to sit unopened and unstudied. We neglect it by reading it and not letting it sink in to the depth that we listen to it and apply it. We neglect it by hearing it, and, and we, we take it in, but it goes in one ear and out the other. It's, it's quickly gone. It's not applied or meditated upon. Then we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We can neglect to listen to him or hear his voice. And can I just encourage you this morning, can I just point out, you and I can neglect and not listen to the voice of God at home, at church, in Sunday school, at work, at school, you name the place. Doesn't matter where you are, we can neglect the Word of God. The leading of the Holy Spirit, His Word, not heeding it, not putting it into practice. You say, you know, drifting can happen because neglect can take many forms. You know what's amazing to me? I've seen it. Some of you have seen it too. I've seen somebody who is a Christian, I believe they were, and and they sat in a church much like this, and they came regularly to church, probably three services a a, a week. And reality is they sat under it. And and if you were to ask them, they'd probably attest that they've had their devotions most often. And and boy, you say, wow, that's got to be a person who listens to the Word of God. Can I tell you? It can can be right there in front of you, but if you've drifted from it, the attention given it a permanence and a priority, you can miss it you can miss it now listen husbands you can help me out here you've been sitting in the same room as your wife and somewhere along the way you came to cognizance and all you hear is this did you hear what I just told you oh no we're in trouble Houston we have a problem right because why we've drifted away some of us in our minds, we've drifted miles and miles away, amen? And we've got, um, they, she was talking, she was saying something, maybe television's on, maybe, maybe something a priority or something. That's in it. And boy, we have drifted away. And guess what? We miss it. Now, some of you try to get away with it. Yes, honey, and now you're in trouble because if she says, what did I say? Now you're going to have problems. Somebody pull the fire alarm. Let's get out. and cause a distraction, right? Listen. We can drift, right? We can drift. And and so it is spiritually. We drift because that neglect takes many forms. I just encourage you this morning, the fact is this. The author says what? Take earnest heed to what has been spoken. Earnest heed, I like that intensity, a passion about, I mean, I'm listening. I'm all ears. You've got my attention. I want to listen. And and literally, that's what it is. And we are challenged this morning to not neglect it in one way or the other. Why? Because one degree off in listening, heeding God's word, it leads to terrible consequences. 
Look with me, if you will, Hebrews chapter 3. If you just go over a chapter, look at verses 3, or 7 and 8, excuse me. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, notice the statement, verse 8, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Okay, so first of all, we saw the danger of drifting from the word of God. Now we see the next step in the slippery slope is this, the danger of doubting the word of God doubting the word of God. See, the story referenced in this passage is of the Israelites. God brought them to the edge, the cusp, the, the threshold of the promised land, and, and they went, sent their spies in. They came back. Two of them gave a good report. Ten were good, two or ten were bad, and all that good stuff. And uh, the other ten said, no, we ought not to go in there. The t- two said, we ought to go in there. And uh, the people listened. They denied the word of God. They literally did not listen to God's promise. I'm going to deliver them into your hands. I'm going to give you this promised land. In fact, I love this passage because even the author of Hebrews brings up, God says, whoa, what have you not learned the last 40 years? Here's the problem, though. Don't miss it. For 40 years, many of them have drifted from the word of God. They had made a choice long ago, and, and, and such that they have drifted, or for many years, I should say, uh, maybe not 40, but for many years, they drifted from the Word of God. And now, they're at this point where that drift has produced a doubt. In fact, he, he gives us a term here. They were hard-hearted to the Word of God. It didn't get the benefit of doubt. In fact, it was quite the opposite. Well, God's Word may say that, but I, I just doubt that's going to be applicable to my life. I doubt that's how it's going to work out. That, that may have been good in that day, but, man, a hard-heartedness that produces a doubt. And uh, drifting that's caused by neglect then leads us to that doubt. I, I don't. You know, I, I don't think God's word has anything to say about that. I, I don't think that it can really apply, we might put it that way, to my life. Now, don't miss this. A couple statements I'd share with you. <coughs> Excuse me. You drift from God's word, and what does it do? It opens the door to doubt. Here, here, here's what we find out. Simple statement, certainly in its simplicity, it's very true, is this. The more, and we're speaking of the word of God, listening to his voice, the more you are out of it, the less you get out of it. It's true. The more you are out of it, in other words, the the less you are exposed to it, the the more you don't read it on your own and study it, the more you are out of it, the less you get out of it. Mark it down. The more you are out of it, the less you get out of it. The less it seems applicable to your life. It's a dangerous situation, isn't it? Uh, We would describe it as such, a slippery slope. Notice it. Don't miss it. You neglect the voice of God, His Word, the Holy Spirit, you begin to drift. So you start drifting, and then you develop a hard heart towards it because it's not as important. It's not that, and is it really that, uh, is it going to be that powerful in my life? Will it really do what it says it'll do? And so we have that hard-heartedness. It produces the doubt. We doubt the Word of God. Is it going to really do that in my life? Can I, is it that important? It, boy, that doubt creeps up. And so that doubt then gives us another simple statement as this. The less it is in you, thinking about it, mulling on it, obeying it, meditating, the less it is in you, the more it doesn't apply to you. So the less I take it in, the less that I I am listening to the Word of God and and allowing it to be a part of me and thinking on it, the less it is in me, the more it doesn't apply. So if we would put it this way, it's no longer for me. It's no longer relative to me in my life. It doesn't relate. I don't get anything out of my Bible reading. I don't get anything out of the sermon. I I don't learn anything from the Sunday school lesson. and, And we can go on and on. 
God's word just doesn't seem to speak to me. It doesn't seem to, my goodness, can I tell you, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 kind of shoots everything down that it's not relative to me idea. You know what that says in that passage? It says that for, and you can look there, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Notice that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. We all have those. And of the joints and marrows, the discerner of the thoughts, we have those. The intents, the motives of the heart, we have those. Verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Can I tell you this? When God speaks, it's relevant to your life and to mine his word is powerful it can discern the intents and the motives of the heart listen if you and i are exposed to god's word and we say hey i don't get anything out of it i'll tell you you've drifted you've drifted now you're at the point where your heart has become hard, hardened towards God's word, and now it's going to produce doubt. I just, I just not get anything out of it. I, I, I'm just, it's not for me. It's not relative to my life. Listen, that is a dangerous place to be, friend. Dangerous. You've drifted, and your drifting has probably come from neglect, and now it's produced a hard heartedness that is seen in your doubting God's word. What is your faith? Now, don't miss this. Your faith is fed by something. What is it fed by? Well, Romans chapter 12, 10, verse 17 tells us what? Faith cometh by hearing, listening, taking the word of God. God is speaking. My faith is encouraged and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Can I tell you, my friend, when you and I drift, when our faith is not fed and nourished, guess what? Uh, it, what, what is weakened? That faith is not hearing and listening the word of God. God has made it very clear that we need it. So you drift through neglect. It'll produce a hard heart in which you start to doubt the things of God. And that slippery slope, ooh, it gets slipperier. Look with me, if you will, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. We're just right down the page from it. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 11. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. Okay? We've seen the danger of drifting from the Word of God, the danger of doubting the Word of God, and now that opens the door for the danger of dullness toward the Word of God. You are dull of hearing. The spiritual dullness is like being spiritually, and here's kind of the term here, spiritually sluggish. Sluggish. What is sluggishness? Well, uh, the American Heritage uh, Dictionary would define it threefold. I think this is a great thing. If we're talking about spiritual sluggishness, here's how it's defined. Number one, uh, it is the idea of lacking alertness, vigor, or energy, inert or indolent. That's a great description. Number two is the definition says this. Uh, lacking alertness, okay, actually, excuse me, one was displaying little movement or activity, slow and inactive. Two was lacking alertness, okay? Displaying little movement or activity, slow and active. Number three is slow to perform or respond, get this, to stimulation. And spiritually speaking, God's stimulation, his voice. Slow to respond to it. That stimulation. God speaks, and we all know it. I, I use it way too often. I have no idea how in the world that it got stuck in my head that when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. 
But 20, 30 years ago, that's all I heard it seemed like. And I don't even know who E.F. Hutton was. I didn't know anything about it, but I knew that simple statement from advertising and so forth. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Now listen to me. The reality is this. Spiritual sluggishness says, God speaking, so what? I don't respond. It doesn't move me. It doesn't stimulate me. It doesn't challenge me to movement, to action. I'm not alert to it. I, ah, there's little movement and activity in response to it. We no longer engage spiritually. Now, don't miss this. Here's what happens, okay? You take the person who's, ah, just not, I'm not getting much out of that, that, that drifting that leads to doubting God's word, that hard-heartedness. What's the next part of it? Well, they aren't involved. They're not alert. They're not active spiritually. They don't participate spiritually. We lack spiritual energy. We have energy for other things, but when it comes to spiritual things and in living and serving God, uh, we lack that spiritual energy to do so. We're slow to respond in absence of response altogether to spiritual things. It really pervades our whole being. I love this statement. I was looking into this idea of sluggishness and just to steal something from the arena of sports. They were describing how a coach looks at sluggishness in a runner, someone who might run a race and and such, and uh, whether it be cross country or whatever the case may be. And, And I love this description of that idea of sluggishness in the sport of racing, of running per se. This is what it said. Oh, let me back up here. Let's go to here. <laughs> there it is. Sluggishness in a runner signals danger to a coach. Something isn't right. Something is causing ambivalence. It's draining confidence. It's zapping energy. The runner, and notice this statement, is losing heart. Half-hearted running. Don't miss it is a forerunner to quitting. It's a powerful statement. Coach is looking for that. Hey, hey, wait, something's not right. Something's going on. They're sluggish, and they they just aren't running the race well. It's not going well, and and a coach is rightfully concerned. In fact, let's go back to that statement right before. Here's the digression. It continues, right? We drift, we doubt, and as we doubt, our spiritual energy and excitement is dulled. And it shows up in a spiritual sight. That's just not, they're not involved. They're not, they're not active spiritually. They're not moved by the very word of God. His speaking, his voice. Is, there's very little response to it, if we may put it that way. And I love the statement that we shared here. We go from hard-hearted, do you catch it? To half-hearted, if that. Our Christian walk, we're, we're half-heartedly going through the motions. We're, we're barely doing what's necessary. We, we don't put forth the effort. We have no effort for, or energy for spiritual endeavors, if we might describe it as such. We stop rem- responding to spiritual stimuli. We're dull of hearing. We no longer listen to the voice of God. And it's a dangerous position to be in spiritually because of what is said of that runner. What is it? Half-hearted running is a forerunner to quitting. And let's be honest this morning. Many of us know somebody or have known somebody who, who have followed down this slippery slope. And they've gotten to this point where you can just tell there's a dullness spiritually. They're just not excited. There's no energy about them. They aren't involved. They aren't participating. They aren't and boy, I can tell you, within a short amount of time, what does that half-heartedness open the door for? Just quitting. Just quitting. And it holds true. 
obviously for the Christian life, the Christian race. What does it look like? What does that quitting really look like? Here's the number four. Here's what it looks like. The danger of despising the Word of God. Despising the Word of God. See, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and through 28, the, the author speaks of those who willfully disobey God's Word. In other words, they demonstrate a despiteful attitude towards God's Word through their disobedience. So if someone has an attitude of spitefulness that's full of malice, they express that malice and spite in actions and in words. How does that come across? Well, it comes across that despiteful attitude through disobedience to the Word of God. See, and that's a, there's, therein is a great danger for the Christian. Why? Because we know, the Bible teaches, that to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Oh, okay. So now, we as Christians already know that not to do what we know we ought to do is sin. We're not obedient. We're disobedient. And boy, when you are half-hearted, you, I don't care. I know the Bible says that, but I don't care. Whoa. We've now gone from a half-heartedness to a reality of despising, an attitude of despise. I, I don't care what the Bible says. I, I, uh, listen, I, I know what it says. You don't have to remind me. You ever talk to somebody like that? It's despising the Word of God through that disobedience. And look down at chapter 10. Let's switch over to chapter 10. I said that was chapter 10, verses 26 to 28. Make that clear. But look down at verses 30 and 31, if you will, 30 and 31 of chapter 10 of Hebrews. Notice what the description is given to us here. This is quite a stark statement. For we know him that hath said, vengeance, we're in verse 30 of chapter 10, vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Verse 31, notice it, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Man, can I tell you, I, I fear for the Christian who has reached the point of not just drifting and ignoring the verse, voice of God, but despising it through the obvious disobedience to the Word of God. It's an obvious despising, and they're in danger of what? Well, falling into the hands of a chastening, disciplining God. And might I tell you what the verse says? Listen, don't miss it. It is a fearful thing to be in that place. It's a fearful thing, something that ought to be feared. May I just tell you right now, today, if you're here, Christian, and, and, and Holy Spirit's been pricking your heart, and let's be honest, you're at the point where you're despising the Word of God. You're, you're disobedient to it. You don't care. You're fine with it. And in fact, you kind of flaunt it at times. You're disobedient. Listen to me. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of God. If you're there, man, I would encourage you to throw yourself upon the mercy of a loving Heavenly Father who is like that father of the prodigal son standing on the porch ready to welcome you home with all the love and mercy you can take and the forgiveness. For the rest of us, you say, well, Pastor Henry, I'm not there. May I just remind you to never forget that you, don't miss it, you and I are just a degree of drifting away from this point. We are. Just a degree of drifting that leads to the hard-heartedness, that uh, leads to the doubt, that leads to the half-heartedness, the dullness, the, the spiritual sluggishness that then brings us to the point where we literally despise the Word of God because we don't obey it and we don't care that we're not obeying it. Notice it. 
Finally, we come to the end of the slippery slope, and it's not a pretty picture. We turn to Hebrews chapter 12, last passage here. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 25. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. This is a great statement. Don't miss it. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Man, what a statement. You could leave it right there. See that you don't refuse him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on the earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. There's a defiance here. Don't defy God. Don't turn away. We would call this number five, the danger of defying the word of God. The despising quickly leads to a defiant attitude. You can't tell me what to do, God. I dare you to, to, to do something to my life. Ooh. Defiance. I don't care what God thinks. I don't care what he says. It's a defiance that's revealed in the verse. How does it describe it? It's a refusing to hear him that speak. I love that last statement, a turning away. Boy, can I tell you, the end will not be well if you turn away from God in his word. That's what it's saying. You come to this point of defiance to the almighty God. Okay, for younger generations or modern vernacular, you know what you're literally spiritually telling God? Talk to the hand because the face isn't listening. Talk to my hand. I don't hear it. Just talk here. Uh-uh. Literally, we're telling the God of heaven. You're turning away from him and you're, you're just saying, talk. Talk to the hand because I'm not listening. What a terrible place defiance puts you in. Now, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat it. Notice what he says in verse 29 at the end. You know what the end result of that is? Don't miss it. For our God is a consuming fire. It's not an idle threat. It's not a, it's not, our God is a consuming fire. Remember Jonah? Jonah chapter 1, what happens? Well, God appears to him and speaks to him and tells him, okay, here's my will. Here's my desire. Here's what I want you to do. He speaks to him. He gives him his word, and he tells him, okay, here's what I want you to do. You go and preach to the Ninevites. But Jonah shows what? An attitude of defiance. He turns away from God, right? He has the opposite direction. We might describe it as such. And he doesn't head for uh, Nineveh. He, he goes somewhere else. He heads somewhere else on a boat, okay? Now, <laughs> that defiance melts away very soon, doesn't it? It melts away in the crucible of a large fish that came and ate him. And guess what? He got to have a vacation in the belly of a large fish for three days and three nights. I don't think that Airbnb would go well. But that's what he got, right? This was defiance. Nah, God, you say that. I ain't going there. I don't want to tell those people about that. He turns the other way and, whoo, be careful, be careful, because our God is a consuming fire. And may I just say, I think the defiance of Jonah was consumed in the belly of that large fish. Because what do we find happen? Don't miss it. In turn, Jonah's crying out to the very God who he wouldn't listen to. All right, God, I see your point. All right, God, I'm listening now. You got my attention. And my friend, it is a dangerous place to be in the defiance towards God. Why? Because don't miss it. You always, always, always lose. He's a consuming fire. Now listen, friend. You always end up regretting it. Good news. 
That's at the end of the slippery slope. That's after all these steps that you and I find ourselves in. So the question today is for you and I, all right, where am I at in this? Because I know that God speaks, and he has spoken. He is speaking today, and he wants me to listen. That word listen, to heed. Not only hear it, but to heed it, to listen. So you and I got to be on guard. We got to take earnest heed that we don't, what? Number one, make sure you're not drifting through neglect. You read your Bible, great, but don't neglect it. It's the most important thing. Don't neglect it. Are you doubting? Oh, excuse me. Are you doubting through hard-heartedness? Has your heart become so hard-hearted the things of God? Ah, it doesn't, ah, it doesn't apply to me. It's not, and you start doubting it. You start. How about that dole of hearing through our half-heartedness? Truth be told, if we could assess, if God as a coach could assess your Christian walk today, what he's saying, you know what? So-and-so is pretty spiritually sluggish. They're just, there's no spiritual energy there. There's just no spiritual interest. There's no, ah, no participation, no involvement in the spiritual life in serving me. There, it's just not there. And when God look at you and call you a half-hearted Christian that's about to quit, throw in the proverbial towel, then we ought to make sure today that you and I do not despise the word of God through our disobedience. I know the Bible says that, but who really cares? But everybody's doing it. Do we despise it through a lack of obedience? And then last but not least, but boy, would you make sure that you don't defy God through turning away and refusing to hear him speak? You know how sad it would be? But I can guarantee you somewhere, someplace in America today it's happening. There's somebody who is sitting in a pew like you are sitting, and they will hear the word of God taught and preached, and they will walk out similar doors, and guess what? They will refuse to hear God speak. They will turn away without responding. Don't let it be you. Don't go down the dangerous slope of not listening to God speak. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for how you've spoken to my heart. And, Father, the truths that you have borne out of these passages in this book. And, Father, we are grateful for that. And, Lord, we are so eternally grateful that you are a God that speaks to us and continues to speak. Now, Lord, in this moment, would you convict us where we failed? Maybe we were we've drift. Maybe where we've allowed some hard-heartedness to come in. Maybe where we've despised or defied your word. Lord, I just pray you'd speak to our hearts and Lord, maybe there's one here this morning that's starting to get off just one degree. Would you speak to them about the seriousness of that? And Father, would we purpose tonight, this morning, this, would we commit and dedicate ourselves to getting back on track, to getting off that slippery slope and, and walk in such a way where your word and your spirit, you speaking, is the number one most important thing in our lives so that whenever you speak, we listen. Father, would you do a work right now in this invitation? Would you help us to yield and surrender? Father, would we not in this invitation say that message was for someone else? It's not relative to me. Lord, would you help us dismiss those kinds of thoughts from our minds? And may we, each one of us, make make careful application of your word this morning. Father, would you help us today? Speak to every heart. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I ask you to join me in standing all across the room. The piano begins to play. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And can I tell you, friend, uh, uh, would you just do business with him first of all? As God has spoken, would you do business? Whatever he's spoken to you about, wherever you might be on the slippery slope, or maybe there's a temptation one way or the other, would you just do business? 
Number two, I would also say this, friend, can I tell you the most important part of the Word of God to respond to is His call to salvation. If you're here today and you don't know for sure if you die, you're going to heaven. Could I encourage you, you just slip out, you walk this aisle. If you're a man, a man will take you. If you're a lady, a lady will take you to a side room and they'll show you from God's Word how you can know for sure that heaven is your eternal home. That most importantly, Jesus Christ is your Savior through faith and trust in Him. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God.